The Marriage Project is a community organization that exists to educate a future generation while encouraging and inspiring hope for this one through the portrait of God's design for marriage. It is a collective of stories from couples spanning across the nation and globe to share with you the hope they have found in Jesus. This is a one-stop shop to hear how God has impacted each life here and to shine light and shed light on what our part is in his plan. Welcome to The Marriage Project. I am here with Bonnie and Carl, and I should have asked you guys this before. How do you pronounce your last name? Is it Hefline? Hofline. 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 No, Hofline with a long O. Hofline. Yeah. (laughs) Bonnie and Carl, Hofline. That was a rookie mistake. I should have asked you guys that when we were talking. Um, So welcome to the podcast. I'm so excited to have you guys and have you introduce yourselves. Tell us about who you are, about your, your kids, your ministry, anything, just little tidbits about who you guys are. We're Bonnie and Carl Hofline. We live in upstate New York in Rochester. We've been married for 35 years. We have an adult son, David, who is just now, we found out he and his bride, Katie, are expecting our first grandbaby. So we're really excited about that. We just got that news. And then we have a 23-year-old daughter named Lily, and we have a a 21-year-old daughter named Grace. Bonnie's a teacher, an author, and a speaker. I'm a software project manager, and uh, in the past, I've done a lot of software um, programming for uh, medical devices, specifically x-ray medical devices. And I still work in that arena still today. Um, I'm holding your book. I, I have it in my hands. I ordered it. <laughs> I'm excited to read cool. it. I haven't, I've cool. gotten into the well, first was, chapter. Yeah. Well, I was excited to put that out because I just felt like I'm get, at a season of my life when I am beginning to mentor uh, other women and you know young men too. And just the scripture talks in Titus 2 about the older women teach the younger. And I just felt like it was important for me to at least put to print the lessons that the Lord had shown me and to have a, just a, something to put in someone's hand who, who wanted to be mentored. And, I, and I, this is almost like start with this. This is the, what I know so far. I put it into print and it, it was uh, mm-hmm. enabled people to get to know the lessons that I felt like the Lord showed me. So that was where that came from. So I named it more kick because I feel like uh, the the frosting of the culture is well, how we look and what we buy and our clothes and hair and maybe the things we own and our our cars. But the culture is, is the frosting, but who we are is really the substance of who God made us to be. And so that's the cake that, that we need more of the substance of who God made us to be and less of the frosting of the culture. And uh, both are good, but really we need to start with who God mm-hmm. says we are. That's the nature of the title. What a relief. I feel like it was probably just a weight off your shoulders to get this in book format so you could hand it off and it's a piece of your heart to give to these young girls who you have the privilege of mentoring. Um, well, we're here to talk about uh, your guys' home life, your marriage, uh, and just gain some wisdom. You guys said you've been married 35 years. Is, is the anniversary on yes. the horizon or did you guys just celebrate 35? We got mm-hmm. married on Valentine's Day, so that was back in February. So that's how we, we. So it's actually maybe thirty-five and a half years by now. I mean, we met probably in our early twenties. I'd say probably yeah, early twenties, twenty-two, twenty-three. And uh, I was working for um, Eastman Kodak here in Rochester at the time as a new graduate, and she was at college here at Roberts Wesleyan College. And she used to work in the pharmacy, corner pharmacy, as a part-time job. And I saw her, and I was like, oh, I had struck up an acquaintance with uh, another 
a coworker of hers that I knew. And I says, oh, you got to fix me up with her. And so I knew who she was because the laundromat was right next door. And I used to go do my clothes there once a week. And I'd go in the drugstore hoping to see her. And so I knew who she was. It wasn't a blind date for me, but it was for her. We went on a double date with these with this coworker and her boyfriend. And then we just kind of kept going the from there. History. Going from there. The rest is how yeah, it's kind of and funny. I we think- still live within a couple blocks of where we met, so it's kind of kind of funny, really. That is funny. You guys never left the area, so you are in Ro- Rochester still. Yes, yes, we are. Well, the employment's been good, and it's a good place for. Um, we, we've had really great churches. Yeah, um, local churches to raise like our family. Kids. We don't have uh, blood relatives in town. But churches, church uh, friendships and brothers and sisters are like family to us. It's just a great place to raise children. And the Christian college here is great and the schools are good and employment's been steady. So I, we, just, we just kind of stay on and here we are, you know. Yeah. Sounds like you're just very rooted. So why would you leave if there wasn't anything calling yeah. you out? Quick spinoff, but do you guys ever, do you guys visit the city often or is that just not even a thing? I, when I think of New York, I think of Manhattan because my brother lived there for a few years. So it's a five hour drive for us. So on occasion we have spent uh, summer vacation, like a long way for the two of us to drive down and spend a long weekend and see a Broadway show. We've done that a few times. Uh, we took our daughters to see uh, Mary Poppins on stage for a long weekend. I would say we about every five years, we, we'd end up going down there to either see a show or, you know, visit someone or take someone there as a someone who comes from out of town or something like that. But the five-hour trip makes it so you're not zipping very often. Got it. Right. So that it's, puts, it's yeah, the it night and day between New York City and up here. This is this The feel up here in Rochester is more like a Midwest feel to it you know like we have working farms in our school district so it's kind of rural we can get out on the rural right outside really apple fast. farms around yeah. but we do love the city our own city rochester we dine um downtown rochester most weekends we just like to go out on uh friday night or saturday night once a week and, and go have a dinner together and that's uh, kind of our uh in-town vacation <laughs> yeah we, get away. we we go downtown most weekends yeah also, public market on Saturday morning. So we do, we do enjoy the the city. It's about twelve mile twelve miles from our home. How many people in the larger metropolitan area? About a million in the metropolitan area. So it's a small city, but not wow. too too okay. small. It's a big city. Oh, it's big. <laughs> That's pretty big. <laughs> but I, yeah, comparatively speaking, um, that reminds me, Bonnie. You mentioned to me we spoke earlier this week that you guys that was one of your marriage tips that you guys set apart. You always made an unconscious decision to set apart date nights or to go away and take vacations yeah, together. Yeah, I'm pretty passionate about that. Yeah, I feel really strongly about that. I- Can you tell us a little bit about that, how you guys made that decision to just prioritize you, well, to prioritize your marriage? Yeah, I think that it just is easy to forget to, there's, when you, with children, they're just, they can be all encompassing. Like you can be driving to a youth group one night and dance lessons on another night and a sports practice on another night and you can just wrap it up in jobs and uh, the regular ebb and flow and forget to, to nurture one another and just to not take the time to uh, nurture your relationship. And it just seemed like for me personally, I, I recharge my batteries and like I, I really love to go to a new restaurant. A new restaurant is probably my love language. I, a new, maybe some wood-fired pizza or um, not necessarily, it doesn't have to be super fancy, just a gastropub or something where you can find a 
uh, a neat environment and uh i get i get a little bored with the with the same kitchen all the time so i i i love to be downtown and i just feel like that makes it so that we feel like we have had looked in each other's eyes and talk to each other about what's going on in our lives or our hearts and uh makes everything go easier sometimes the um it's not easy to get away for like a vacation or a weekend away or a week's vacation but you can get away weekly or weekly downtown for a date night well, we have taken a uh, weekend we have taken uh like adult vacations and the it's so bad the winter's so hard here that we have um you sort of need to thaw out up here in western new york winter lasts about eight months so to thaw out maybe in april and go someplace warm for four or five days that is has been a pattern for us and it just seems like you can uh recharge your battery and uh and get through the rest of the winter because you've had a thaw. And I, I feel like the kids are okay with the fact that it's it's adult time. They've sort of learned that mom and dad need to be alone together. And my 32-year-old son now, you know, he's a pastor. And for him to tell other couples, you need to spend time, get away, be by yourself. He's like, oh, the kids will forgive you even if they wish they went with you. They get over it. He goes, I, my parents went away without us and we got over it. Better that they nurture their relationship and keep it strong than than. Uh, you know, the word, it just, when other adults have said to David, how do you know you just got married? He said, well, that wasn't what my parents did. So it's cool that he's <laughs> reproducing that in his philosophy of marriage. Right. Now on the other end, he gets it. He's married. He's like, oh, okay, gotcha. I get it. <laughs> yes. That's really cool. Thanks for throwing that in. I was going to go back to parts of your testimonies though. I had that written down. So just parts of what your lives look like before coming to Christ or what age that happened in your life? My mom, her testimony is that she decided when my older sister was born that she needed to get her act together, her words, that she wanted to become a a noble mom. So she started on a quest to figure out how to go to church and how to be a person of faith. But it wasn't for many years till she found a Bible actual teaching church and that she met the Lord when she was 40. And so I was nine. And so I would say that the Lord has spared me from a lot of heartache because I was so young when when I met the Lord. But I wouldn't say it was a kingdom Christian household. It wasn't like the um, the the biblical teachings didn't necessarily manifest themselves right away in our house. My dad wasn't a Christian and my brothers weren't Christians. And so I was spared, but I wasn't sheltered. And so um, I, I was nine when I began in, in, the, in, in faith and then through my teens, I would say I grew in my faith. And then after I left home, I went to Bible college. And then I really, uh, I feel like I became progressively more mature in my faith during my 20s. Mm. Well, Carl, tell me about your situation, Carl. Uh, I started out as a, a devout Roman Catholic, went to uh, church every Sunday, uh, lived like uh, two blocks from the church and, you know, went to Catholic schools for uh 10 years walking to, to the Catholic school and you know, altar yeah, altar boy, the whole thing, Eagle Scout. It was great upbringing, really. Um, upstate New York and uh, not in Rochester, but upstate. So it's similar, you know, similar, uh, you know, similar region to Buffalo somewhat down in Binghamton, actually. And um, mm. I went to college and then uh after college, I had a time here in Rochester. I was really searching for um, uh, probably some meaning and some power over sin and shame, really. And I started to carpool with a fella that knew the Lord. 
and he's a couple of years older than I was, and he'd invite me over his home, and, and it was, um, I thought it was a Bible study, but it was really a home group, and they kind of loved me, and, and he answered questions and, and about things I was dealing with, and he would give me uh, scripture and say, go and uh, look this up and, and pray about it and contemplate it and ask the Lord for the power over these things according to his word, and, and I tried it, and it, it worked. On, on on an occasion over anxiety, and it was like, wow, that really does work. And what else is true in here? And so I started to explore deeper and deeper into the Word of God, and it literally set me free. But it was the power of of God that really it was the thing that really um, I knew God, I knew who He was, but I didn't have power. I didn't understand the relationship, a personal relationship that. And then the power over sin um, of the Holy Spirit and the grace message. The grace message was really missing in my life. Mm. And when I learned that, it was like, oh, boy, nah, I better close the book right now and just go on like I'm living or I'm going to be totally different. And, of course, I couldn't close the book. So I had to keep I kept going and transformed my life. Being saved apart from works was really new. Yeah, because I was in works. And that's the only way I knew how to have power was works. And try harder, be more disciplined, and it doesn't work. So when the Lord set me free of that, it was really, really day and night for me. And it still is. still is day and night for me. So then it kind of simultaneous within six months, I met Bonnie at the same time. And she had graduated from Bible college, and she was up here at Roberts Wesleyan College. And I'd take her out to dinner, and it was like, great. I loved it. She was beautiful, beautiful young woman. I loved her company. And I would just, like, I was a new Christian, so I'd be like, hey, I'll feed you dinner, look in your eyes, and i ask you Bible questions. And it was awesome. And she, she'd be like, oh, no, you got to go talk to your friend about that. So it's like, it was fun for me, but <laughs> it was an interesting time. I was nervous that if he, he and I didn't continue to date, that he would associate his time with the Lord as a weird time when he knew that weird girl. And I was really super nervous about messing up his faith. So when I said go talk to Russ, it had to do with the fact that I wasn't sure what was going to happen between the two of us. We were like just casually dating, eating a lot of food together, hanging out a lot. But um, the notion that I would injure his precious new faith, I was a little bit like had a had a little, uh, what's that word, reverential awe for the fact that I didn't want to mess him up. So I think that's why I would say, you know, talk to Russ. I don't want to be your mother in the faith. Go talk to Russ that I would, didn't want to be his elder sister in the faith. That's great. I think that's just, that was a word for somebody. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's just a discernment and like a sensitivity even too. That's just very wise. Well, you know, it, the notion that he would associate our relationship with a weird season in, in his Bible season. You hear about people who walked with the Lord during a season of their life and they were like, then they walked away. It's like, I don't know what the factors are, but I don't want to be one of them. <laughs> I'm going to eliminate that. Okay, so there seems to be a recurring thing of food. We had cake involved in your book yeah. title. Um, and you mentioned that you guys now host, I, I guess we can say the younger generation or the yes. early 20s. Is that the age? So you guys have a ministry around yes. your table? I was so- saying uh, it's, it's not unusual for us now. And when David got married, he was like, Mom, you know, I love you, but I'm a married man now. And you got to mother other people. And I was <laughs> like, okay, I will. And so... Shortly after he got married, uh, my daughter-in-law called me up and she said, are you hosting a Super Bowl party? I said, I am. And she said, are you going to cook? I said, yes, I am. 
She said, from my friends or your friends? I said, your friends. And, uh, you know, when they were in school, because I live in the neighborhood of the college, the kids were at my house all the time. Mm-hmm. And and one time I said to one of the boys in his bridal party, I said, uh, I miss feeding you. And and he said to me, Josh said to me, there is no reason why you need to miss feeding me. Say when and I'll come. And so they started coming here for a Bible study on Tuesdays. And it grew into, at one point, it was 37 people. And um they just like to be here and we would do Bible because I felt like a lot of those young people didn't have a solid Bible. Uh, they didn't have a Bible background. And I felt like uh, no matter what churches they went to, they, we still needed to go through the Bible systematically. So it was, uh, it was in pretty inclusive as far as churches go. Some of the churches were more of a Baptist inclination. Ours is a non-denominational church and uh, people came from several different churches and they still come on Tuesdays for dinner first and then for Bible. But we didn't always have, we didn't always serve dinner. We've been doing um, home groups probably since uh, the year after we got married or so. 86. Probably 86. Yeah, a couple years. Yeah, about the year after we got married. And they were more um, just from the, it was like small groups from the church book studies and, and, you know, discuss the sermon. And it it didn't involve a meal. It was just come in at seven, have a cup of coffee and then serve cookies after at nine o'clock and wrap it up kind of thing. Right. But we, we've done that like our whole married life. And I think I really love home group because it's the environment that loved me into the kingdom. And so I just love that format. And, you know, I've been blessed enough to have enough resources to open my home and not worry about expenses and that sort of thing and, and just host people. And it's really only been, so we've, you know, we've kind of had this for a long time, groups on and mostly on than off. Sometimes we took a little bit time off, I think, when the girls were in diapers. It was pretty hairy then. But it's been the last seven years. Uh, our son's been married about eight years. So about last seven years that we've incorporated the dinner before the Bible study. And it's taken the experience to such a more um, intimate. intimate, it just has spiked the whole experience. It's like the shared meal and it's, table. It's, I, I never would have thought it. And before this, we'd have an occasional meal together. Then we have it every day, every time. And it really just brings people together. It relaxes them. It builds community. And we just let the dinner linger. We don't rush it. We just linger until everybody's eaten and kind of you get that lull in the action, like I'm done. Then we do the Bible study. Mm. But it's truly has brought in this idea of communion around the table has, has really, it's such a blessing. It's, it's added so much to the home group. It's, it's really unbelievable. Yeah, it sounds like it. it sounds like it's just like a discipleship group, really. You're discipling young hearts. Yeah, that, I, we feel that it, it, a lot of times when you, if you do the actual inventory, it's young people that either don't have parents at home, don't have parents in faith, and they're just looking for someplace to repose. I feel like the kids in our group, a lot of them are have their sleeves really rolled up with serving in the local church, and they just don't have any place to fall apart and be on a couch and eat a meal. It's like uh, the people who have uh, mature parents who feed them and care for them. It seems like they have more gas in the tank to run further because they've been affirmed and fed. And, you know, for people to say to me while I'm washing dishes, can I talk to you? It's like they want that resource of someone that they can talk to. A lot of the times I go in the kitchen and the last hour is them talking to each other and I don't interrupt their conversations. But sometimes people come and find me and they tell me what's going on in their life if they want to talk. 
So I would say a couple of factors the the young people, once they finish college, they really are looking for someplace to connect with each other in a wholesome environment. I mean, we have like four couples that fell in love and are getting married. And I think that they uh, are, are looking for someplace to just have their battery recharged in faith. Yeah, and they're, you know, they're looking for each other. You're not, you're not yes. fooled by that. That's kind of entertaining at times, right. you know, yeah. but so it, like, you know, it's up and down, you but it's, you know, they come for each other too, but you know, we, we always keep the, the meal there and we always do a chapter of the Bible. So it, it brings unity, it's, it's you know, so we're not doing a, uh, we pray for each other. Then we pray for each other. We pray yeah. for each other at the end. And then they, they, we have to basically kick them out about 1030 at night. That sounds yeah. about right. <laughs> what a blessing. And I can imagine this might be a tie into this answer, but how have you guys seen God honor and bless your marriage as you've honored him in your marriage? And I feel like that is honoring to him, just being willing and flexible, opening your home like that. But is there anything else? Well, I would say we're in a little bit of a pivot season. I would say that when the kids were growing, home group was a nice format to be able to still be parents while we had invited people into our home and we were able to uh, share the gospel disciple people and water seed in uh, around our table. But now that, you know, my youngest is in her last year of nursing school, I wouldn't be surprised if uh, the Lord doesn't open more opportunities for me to speak outside this geographic area. I'm pursuing uh, just, I just feel like invitations are coming. I mean, COVID's a weird season, but I just feel like the Lord is freeing me to do more of that type of thing. I've started an online group for young moms. And so that it's a Zoom call with teaching for young moms who feel isolated. So ironically, the seasons in my kids' lives, now I seem to be morphing into a season where I'm pouring into young moms because, I, you know, it's, it's, it's not just an irony. David and Katie are at that season so that their peers are reaching out to me saying, can you mentor me? My mother is not a Christian, and I have, I'm home with small kids, and I would, was wondering if you'd be willing to mentor me. So I've started a formalized group online called this for this child I prayed. I just feel like that's there's a need for that. Well, I, I think that the Lord has blessed our marriage through this and we honored him in our marriages. We get we, we really have a privilege and an honor to really serve him with our strengths. Bonnie's a, a excellent communicator, excellent speaker. I'm I'm an engineer, so I'm more analytical, more you know, I'm not as gushy as she is. But it's it's like we have people in our group. We get to encourage both sides. We have a lot of professional people that are have their first job or second job. They're all mostly college educated people, and you know, we, I get to tell them from. Uh, I get some geeks in there. They're software programmers and 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 the like, and and we've got social workers and teachers, and we've got a kind of a good mix. I get to tell them, hey, you can serve the Lord with your abilities. You know, it's not just pulpit ministry. Uh, so we've been blessed. It's really, Alicia, it's like you get to serve, you get to encourage people, grow people, disciple people in the things that you love. Tell them, you know, how you've um, felt the favor of the Lord upon my career in solving hard problems and getting products out that are, you know, good for medical um, industry. And, and you're like, it wasn't always easy and you get to tell them about working with other believers and solving hard things and that. And the, the other thing we um, we've really uh, benefit from is just the acquaintances. We have a lot, had a lot of help with our daughter, autistic daughter through mm. our home group. 
And these are professionals like um, social workers, uh, teachers, people that know how to deal with disabilities. And they've encouraged us. They've helped us. They come alongside of us, supported us, taking our daughter under their wing at times. There's, it, there's like then just the provision of the body of Christ to come around us with her and, and just with all our children, really, kind of at the right time. People come in and out of seasons, you know, and, and not everybody is, is thick and thin all the way through, but they come and they, they, they come for a season, several years, then move on. Another person will come. And it's really the Lord's provision for us with help with the children, I'd say with these uh, skilled people, really, they're skilled in the, what they do. Well, they provided more more brothers and sisters, older brothers and sisters for my kids to have, which is really right. neat. And they're living in the gifts and abilities God's given them. And by serving and being in the body of Christ, you benefit from each other. We get to help one another, how God's poured out his different giftings on everybody. And it sounds like just because you've been in each other's lives, you in turn get to benefit from their expertise, their wisdom that they've been given. Yeah. And another thing I think is that I feel like the, the young people who are not, you know, when you go to a church, you've got, there's a, someone is preaching to you and, and sometimes it's easy to feel like you're less than because your ministry gifts aren't necessary. You're not going to earn your living from the gospel from a pulpit. So I think it's been mm. very affirming to see for young people to see the kingdom come through people who do uh, different things or was a little bit atypical. I feel like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm a, the more visible ministry person in our in our pair, and and it's I think people are encouraged by seeing a little bit atypical uh, pair. We're a little bit atypical from what you'd see in your local church, where you know a lot of churches he is in the pulpit and she's running the nursery, and we're sort of the the opposite. Carl's a more behind the scenes kind of guy. Mm-hmm. I was going to mention too. You said something to me about tithing, Bonnie. Was that something you had said and that was important to you guys? Of- early on that you set that standard in your marriage that you were going to faithfully tithe and you've seen the Lord honor that yeah. even in your marriage. Yeah. I feel like we were taught, we had really good, you know, the, the church we went to when we first met was a really uh, strong teaching church. And I feel like that was our, uh, we inherited good teaching, you know, the little Bible college I attended. And I think that because we implemented that by faith, you're like saying, God, I'm trusting you with the other 90%. Well, we're obeying you with the 10%. And we've seen the Lord make provision for us. I mean, Carol's been continuously employed. He's never lacked for employment. You know, we did things like the school district picked up the tab on private education for Lily. It's things mm. that the blessing of the Lord, our health. Those the the Lord has made provision for things that we were. Um, you know, you have to see Him. You have, you have to see Him and acknowledge that He made provision for those types of things that are really Him adding abundance, even relationships. You know, especially with where Lily's concerned that that getting the the school district to pick up the tab for that expensive right. private autism college that was uh, high school, that was really the Lord. So we just are choosing to see his blessing and his favor financially and in our material provision because we, we are, you know, not, not only the tithe, but additional missionary giving. Right. But it's always, yeah, it's like there's blessing in other, you know, not just financially, although there is financial blessing. Um, yeah, health, our, our, all our children, our daughter-in-law all love the Lord. It's like, it's invaluable. You know, we're healthy. We haven't had any huge setbacks health wise. And, uh, we're, you just see it as the provision yeah, of the Lord. And it's, 
actually it's it's gotten to the place now where it's you just really want to invest in the kingdom of God. You want you want to be a partner with the Lord and what he's doing on the earth. So it's it's like a little bit of exciting now. It's not it's kind of a joy because it's like, well, I wonder what the Lord's going to do next. It's like, let's, let's keep, let's keep giving, let's keep doing it because uh, if we don't, we'll miss out on something that, you know, the Lord might be doing. Was there something you wanted to add to that? I just feel like there's this adage that I was, I heard one time and it says if when there's all spirit and no word, you blow up. And when there's all word and no spirit, you dry up. But mm-hmm. when the spirit and the word together and, and, you know, you grow up. And I just feel like the word uh, of God is, is so central to people's spiritual stability that the Holy Spirit is faithful to disclose his will for people's lives. I guess the, 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 the preeminence of the word, the faithfulness of the Holy Spirit, and I just feel like that God is disclosing God. He's not hiding his will. I feel like a lot of people who come at the beginning of their adulthood, they're looking for spouses, they're looking for jobs, they're looking for graduate schools. And I just feel like it's really important for young people to know that God is not holding out his will. He's not hiding it. He He honors your preferences if you're seeking him. And he is faithful to shut down things for people who are humble enough to ask for, ask for guidance if it's not the Lord. And so I just feel like people can trust that the Holy Spirit is faithful to disclose his will and he's not hiding it. I feel like that's a big, I come back to that frequently with people who feel like they're not sure about the will of God. And I'm like, well, God's going to reveal it because that's how he he is. He's a revealing God. He told Joseph, Joseph told the Pharaoh, I can't ascertain dreams, but my God can. And Daniel said the same thing. I, I can't, uh, I don't know how, what's written on the wall, but my God does. And I just feel like that's our our belief that that God is faithful to reveal things. And I just feel like to not let people have their confidence robbed who are coming up in adulthood. I just feel like a common theme is to for people to say, oh, it's harder now than it used to be. It's like, well, according to scripture, it's never been easy to believe that God is in tomorrow and he's going to show you the way you should go and he's going to reveal it to you. That's something you can take and hang your head on. Right. And I just feel like, you right. know, the illustration I had, I felt like the Lord gave me one time was that I stacked the wood of the word in the lives of my children. And then the Holy Spirit ignites that and you can have a really big fire that has impact. Or sometimes mm. I meet young people and they had a, an experience at camp or at a conference, and they had an emotional experience where the Holy Spirit touched them, but they don't have any principles stacked in their lives, and so they're they're still pretty flaky. And then other kids, I know that they had a big Bible quiz layer, but they never really had an encounter with the Holy Spirit, so it's not dynamic enough for them. But when you put those things together, I feel like the, that they have encounters with God that are uh, – they have their own personal testimony of their encounters with God that really grips them. And they, they have their own encounter with the Lord. It's not my encounter, it's theirs. Well, the last part, I wanted to read part of your acknowledgement page and what you said about your husband, Carl, <laughs> and wanted to just ask you to talk to someone, both of you, to someone who is in a singleness season or just waiting on God to bring their spouse. And I just thought, wow, what a testimony to being patient because this is what comes from it. Your guys' partnership in kingdom work and how you've shared that, Carl, it's not necessarily what it looks like uh, for some people in ministry. It's more behind the scenes. And still, though, there's this partnership. And I love what you wrote, Bonnie, in your acknowledgement page to him. You, can I read it? Sure. Okay. It says, and to Carl, the man of my dreams, who has ushered the kingdom of God into my life with his redemptive brand of unconditional love, your servant leadership and your protective care are not only a gift to our family, 
but to everyone you know, thank you for facilitating my dreams. You are my flagpole. I am your flag. I love you so much. And I just thought that is the sweetest thing. And I know we talked about this a little bit, Bonnie, but how you guys just came together, but what you might say to someone and what you have to say about that, about him being your flagpole and you being the flag. Well, I feel like uh, for a girl to have vision and for a girl to have a dream and for a girl to have uh, motivation, sometimes if you have holy ambition and passion, it can be kind of threatening to when you're young, when you're 17, 18, 19, 21. Not a whole lot of young men that I knew at the time, and even today, are signing up for the picante girl. They want a mild salsa. That was what it seemed like to me at that time, <laughs> that I was a lot. I was intense. I was extra. And I just have met girls since then who have similarly, I know a young woman who she wanted to minister in, in uh, the Middle East. She wanted to go to Arabic school. And then she was like, and her parents like, we don't know what we're going to do with that. She looked like a supermodel. And uh, the guy she met at in language school, she married him and he is a behind the scenes guy. And she is still, you know, they have three children. And she, it was the flagpole and the flag that she said, I found my flagpole. She, that was what, that's how she told me she met this guy. And uh, I just think it's all right for you to be, you know, the secret truth is you have to be with someone who's secure enough to not, he's not competing with you. He's facilitating you because he knows who he is. And so sometimes you have to wait for someone to be, uh, you know, a, a young woman was, was lamenting to me that she's tired of waiting. I said, he's not cooked yet wherever he is. He's be, he's got his cooking him. He has to be secure enough to facilitate your steward. You know, he's actually stewarding the dream because we're, we're, uh, we're a team. So to not be married to someone who's threatened by the fact that you have vision, uh, you just, I, I you know, I've heard someone say there's a worse thing to me than being a spin- spinster. It's wishing you were one because you're with someone who really wants to suppress your dream. So I just feel like those guys are out there. Uh, they're not necessarily uh, immature people. They're mature people. So they're worth waiting for. Amen to that. Do you have a word the, to say, Carl? Bonnie's entertaining. It's actually fun because, you know, it's engineering is can be kind of boring and factual and analytical and logical and all that stuff's necessary. But life is uh, spicier with her and it's, it's entertaining, you know, but not just that. It's, you know. I'm, I, it's my pleasure to facilitate. I'm sort of that kind of guy. I, I want to make things go and I'm like a producer. I like to find out what makes, makes somebody grow and, and go in the kingdom of God and get that for them. Sort of, uh, I can see it in the spirit concerning what, what, what they're supposed to do and facilitate it. That's my call. I can see it. Like I, each of my children, it's been a really um, pleasure of mine to see them after the spirit and then pray and watch over the years. What are they good at? And when I see it, we write it down or we remember it, you know, strongly like, and, and it says, well, that, and then I tell them they're good at it. And, and we pursue um, careers around that mm. or things they're good at, right? We, we, fostered that in there. You're good at this. Why don't you consider this? And we tell them that's, that's not, that's unusual. You seem to always like that situation when that happens. That's, that means this, you know, you sort of get a consensus that you can, you can facilitate them in their education and what, where the way they should go. 
at least for starters, right, up through high school and college. And that's probably one of the biggest things I've been able to really have pleasure in is kind of directing them in the Lord in that. And then kind of after college, I, I stopped hearing about it anymore. I, I stopped hearing from the Lord concerning them and what they should do because they're supposed to hear, you know? So it, it's, but, but it's allowed them to really kind of get involved with things, careers and jobs and ministries that have really uh, helped, suited them well. Not that it won't change, but, you know, it suited them well for the starting position. So much more when you have eyes of the spirit, you can see both practical and spiritual things for your children. Yeah. Our oldest son is a pastor. So he's actually more like me than he is like Carl. And I just think it's noteworthy and beautiful that Carl was able to steward David's gifts, even though they were very dissimilar from Carl's gifts. But it's not just the children, though. When you when you get involved with this kind of stuff, you kind of see it for each other because the Lord reveals it to you in the spirit concerning your spouse. Because it, it's mm. kind of seasonal, the seasons change, so you, you're in tune with the seasons of the spirit and the and life and your life station, and it, you sort of like always have an antenna up for that change. And hey, this may be a season that that the Lord is doing this in your life, and I think you should pursue that. And it seems like one of your dreams is about to come true. Not that it's not without you know a lot of angst and a lot of like doubt and a lot of right. you know work or training or or trying to you know do stuff but you know it's fun for me to um facilitate that and you know fund it and encourage it yeah and- yeah do you guys that made it this is kind of a random but do you guys have a like monthly meetup weekly meetup or how does that do you guys have a routine like that where you check in and like just a practical thing for a couple listening if they're thinking wow this is great how do we, how do we get this? Well, I would say those date nights help. Oh, you know, there you go. I, I feel like that makes it so that, um, if you have a great time on a Friday night, Saturday morning, you pour coffee and it's almost like I, I have a re- my emotions are reconnected and I'm, uh, my soul is watered. I stopped feeling like I just work here like a group home worker and I'm a bride again. You know, I had that bridal anointing of, you know, oh yeah, I remember now that we're, we're not just group home workers. We love one another and that connection helps me. So then you let your guard down and you talk about what's inside your heart. I think if you're crusted over with resentment or you're, you're bitter or you're, you're, uh, struggling that, that can build up. But, um, I think once you, once you, what you call it, you let go of things and you reconnect the grace floods in and you have renewed grace for each other. I think it really helps. Mm, So good. On, the end note, or just to end, do you guys have any resource or book recommendations for married couples or just in general, spiritual life books that you... Gee, a lot of, lot of books. And I know, that's a hard um, one. <laughs> um, I just feel like, for me, the time I spend in the Word, I feel like Beth Moore is a great Bible teacher, and I've, I've, she has taught me how to love the Word. I feel like we are almost more, as individuals... Our, our time in the Bible as individuals and in prayer makes it so that we come prayed up when we talk to each other. And so I, for me personally, I feel like my time within the word in the morning with my Bible is, I feel like it's key to, to being on the wavelength of what God's saying. You know, I get a vision or a dream or an idea in my prayer time. I write it in a journal. I do that every morning. I think that's been the hallmark of me have an antenna up to, you know, to check with God and tune in to what he's saying so that I don't miss 
uh, the God breathe intersections, the divine interventions, and even ideas. Like I had an idea recently about an apartment for my 23 year old. And I was, I just feel like if you're not prayerful and you're not in the word, you're not, you're, it's almost like there's a radio signal that God is the frequency of heaven is always, always pumping out good and material from the throne of grace. And you just need to mm. tune, tune yourself into that. Otherwise you, you, the, the social media and the news and the culture can rob your peace and rob your joy. So you're just tossed around emotionally. And I would say that's really, I would say that's really key. Yeah. You mentioned one book too about discipline. Is that, am I saying that right? Or Yeah. I the Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster is just a real primer in theology. I feel like it's a theological mm. primer that um, just talks about your inner life, your prayer life, the word, your outer life, which has, has to do with worship and the local church and celebration. It's just a really good readable, not overly sophisticated across generation, across generations and across denominations. It's just a really, um, Mm. like, like when I met my husband and he decided to serve the Lord, he was mature, like from day one. It's like, I'm all in. I want to know how to serve God with all my might. And I feel like Richard Foster's materials are, they're not overly difficult to read, but they are for people who are, who are wanting to lock and load with what God's doing in their life. Like we read books that, that we affect us with that. I think that's the one I hand to people who I want to mature in their faith. Well, it's been so great. Did you have one, Carl, that came to mind? If not? Uh, I think the, okay. you know, like Bonnie says, you, you seek out the scripture, particularly the stories of, of men that you have similar problems, right? With men have problems throughout their, either in their, whatever stage of life they have. The, the, the Bible stories will, you know, bring to life. People had similar problems as you have. There's not some, there's, there's always somebody in the Bible that has a similar problem that you have. So you, you, you find that person and you draw out what the lessons of life on that. I'm always intrigued by, Hey, what is the Lord doing? This seems to be a problem here, or we're struggling here, or, you know, we want to have more children here. Be a solution here from the Lord. Let's figure out what it is and let's seek him on this. Because yeah, God is faithful. He shows up, and uh, He has been faithful to us. That's for sure. We ask Him to show you something in His Word, and He will. Yes. Hello and humble heart. Well, thank you guys so much for taking time apart to speak into the lives of the listeners and share just a piece of your lives with us. Thank you for having us. It's Thanks been a pleasure. Us. Yes, it's been enjoyable. Yes, thank you. Of course. Be sure to follow on Instagram at the Marriage Project Co. Or check out the website, www.themarriageproject.co, to see all the photos that accompany each testimony behind each matrimony. And be sure to subscribe for the community newsletter to get each episode sent directly to your inbox.